Hello friends, today we are going to be discussing Green Room, a 2015 film written and directed by Jeremy Saulnier. Joining me to speak about the film is Jesse Sanchez, a friend of mine. A bit of warning, Jesse is a very, very, very opinionated guy, and his opinions may bring forth a race war. Welcome to the Nasrad Podcast, or Nasrad Talks About Movies, a place where movies are discussed. Today, I'm going to unleash someone that is very opinionated, very intelligent, very smart, very very great guy that I met on one of Rick Darge's uh, short films. Uh, you, If you've listened to uh, a lot of this uh, podcast, you know Rick Darge from episode 5. He's a filmmaker. He spoke about his movie Zendog. And I met this uh, intelligent young chap named Jesse Sanchez. Uh, and uh, we spoke about movies. We both came we both of age around the same time, around the 90s. So we sort of had the same foundation, pretty much. You know, different guys, but in a lot of ways, we drink from the same wells, if that's a, a good way of putting it. Jesse, say hello, please. Hello, everyone. <laughs> yes, that's, uh, that's Jesse. And so basically, I thought, I thought long and hard about how to because i wanted the introduction to you to be good to you, you, that that uh, well i really appreciate that That's yeah I, I i am opinionated yeah i i you know and it's nice to be considered intelligent that's good yeah to know. yeah like, and yeah. i realized that uh being both 90s kids cisco and Ebert was <laughs> yep. was a big thing and the roles are completely interchangeable. Who's Siskel? Who's Ebert? You know, like I, you will see. Yeah, they have their tendencies. But but like, but know. so basically, we'll try and sort of do their thing. We're going to choose the movie that we're going to riff on and review, basically. Mm-hmm. Even so though, far, I'm Siskel. You're Ebert. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's fine. I love Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert is a is a teacher to me. Even mm-hmm. even uh, may he rest in peace. But uh, so basically, the movie that we are going to be discussing and riffing and reviewing and talking about, not so much giving it a thumbs up or thumbs down, because I think that's kind of arbitrary in the long run. (laughs) But uh, what we think about it is Green Room. Shoot, I wish I had the thing, but it's directed by Justin Solnier. Is it it Justin or Jeremy? It's a French sounding name. Yeah, he made Blue Ruin. Blue Ruin was really that was good. his first film. Am I, I correct? I think it was his second. I see. We're just we should we should have read the Wikipedia. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> he he's not listening. It's okay. But um, but uh, we're going to be talking about Green Room. But I wanted it to be because Jesse will m- most likely be returning to this podcast. You know, I hope so. provided we don't die in an earthquake during the recording. Uh, <laughs> I created a theme song, which was uh directly inspired by the Siskel and Ebert theme song. And I'm going to be playing it for Jesse for the first time. Oh. 
So, uh, and, and every time you come on, this will be your song, basically, Jesse. Cool. And then, and then after the theme song, uh, we'll, you can tell me what you think of the theme song if you like, but we could just jump right into the, uh, what we think of Green Room. Oh, sure. I can, oh, I can, I'm sure I'll have something to say. Okay, cool. All right, here, I'll just play it. Hopefully you can hear it on your microphones. And I'll be editing. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's cool. Nasred and Jesse, they watch the films. Nasred and Jesse, they watch the films. Nasred and Jesse, they watch the films and they like to critique them because they're critics. They watch the films and then they talk about watching those films. Nasred and Jesse, they watch the films. Nasred and Jesse are great. Hey, that's a that's, good theme song. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay, I'm down for that. Yeah, it's okay. Very, you know. So Jesse, let's just jump right into it. What okay. did you think of Green Room? Uh, Green Room. Well, uh, I, I had it's I have, it was very interesting. The the first of all the circumstances of how I saw it because Please. I initially actually planned to go see it with Rick in the theater, and then we just didn't manage to make the schedules work out, and then I kind of missed it, and then uh, you know I it came out online. And I'd been sort of sitting on it, waiting for the right time to see it. And then, and uh, you know, to plug my friend's band, uh, I had a friend come into town with her touring punk band, Period Bomb. Uh, you should check Brilliant them. name, yeah, by the way. Yeah, they're great. Right. You know, you should check them out. And uh, they came by my place, and we were all hanging out. And I was like, you know what? I actually have like a, an actual touring punk band on tour in my, in my apartment. Let's all watch Green Room, yeah. and all and and you know we I can talk. I'll you know I'm very curious to hear their thoughts about you know if they had any common experiences or like they'd never had to siphon gas I guess mm-hmm. and uh, and they they they've had the van break because they were living in a van just like the characters mm-hmm. they parked their van in front of my apartment building mm. and uh, and they uh, they'd never had someone fall asleep on the road and like you know. Because the way the movie opens, it's a very, very, like, again, hats off to the writer-director. Because yeah. he really got a lot of efficient ways of getting across, like, the this, these characters. Just with that opening setup of this van pulled off into a cornfield and the engine's been running. Because the guy just literally fell asleep and didn't even wake up after he went off the road. And so, <laughs> the, you know, the they don't even know if the battery's dead, but they could still hear the radio yeah. faintly. So... They go to siphon some gas. It's super. That's so fucking ridiculous and punk rock and crazy. Mm. And that's the thing. Like this movie was sort of advertised as the like as not advertised, but the way that the grapevine was like, or the internet, you know, blog blogosphere was like. This is the new. This is a punk horror movie. This is a punk rock horror movie. And. And uh, you know, there's kills, and you don't know who's gonna make it, and almost anybody can Wait, die. And sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Is, uh, is that what the, they were saying? It's like a horror. I read very little about it. I just knew uh, yeah. that people were buzzing. No, about I it. heard. I heard that. Like, I knew that that Alia Shawcat was in it, uh-huh. and I knew that there was a chance that she doesn't make it out. Right. And you know, she's. And you know she's some she's a known actress like just I like was Anton very surprised Yelkin. by that by the way. Well, I and that's the thing is I knew it. I actually was kind of bummed. Are we spoiling this movie? I would assume 
Yeah, let's just put it right up front. All right, full so spoilers. Spo- spoiler this is, this alert, people. Spo- spoiler so we're assuming you've seen Green Room yeah. from this point on. Cause I'm and old. if you haven't, go see it. It's a very good no, movie. No, you should, but I'm yeah. going to talk about the ending yeah, now. So, yeah, yeah. You know. so go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anton Yelkin, don't die. Yeah. And, no, and, uh, Anton, yeah. no, well, then he dies in real life. And that bummed me because I wanted, what sucked was that I wanted to see this movie when it was in the theater mm-hmm. and he hadn't passed away yet. So I could have just enjoyed it. Like I knew what, that's kind actually to answer a question that wasn't asked, why did I sit on it after I got it for so long to the point where I could watch it with the band? It was because it was like, man, now I watch this movie and it's like Anton Yelkin's like, one of his last movies yeah, yeah, yeah like before when it was in the theater it was just another good movie yeah, i heard yeah, was yeah. out now it's this like weird eulogy thing where he might die yeah yeah and then he doesn't die but at the same time i feel like that hurt the movie for <laughs> yeah, me yeah yeah well i mean i mean just just speaking briefly on the anton yelkin thing mm-hmm. like I don't know. I, you know, I'm 33 years old. He was such a young guy, yeah. and, and he seemed so fresh. And I don't know if you no. saw the new Star Trek it's, movie. Oh, but no, like, I did. And yeah. what blows my mind is that old Chekhov outlived the reboot young Chekhov. Yeah, yeah, like, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it does. I mean, it's unfortunate, and it's not totally fair to the film. But yeah, yeah. it does sort of cast a shadow. Well, it, it, I just knew that the way that I would read it, the context changed. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 and like again, as a as a nerd critic, like when I really when I look at a movie, you know, I'm looking at it as entertainment. I'm looking at it as art as art, but I'm also looking at it as a, you know, where does it fit in the context of movie history, of right. co- pop culture history, you know, just in all the different threads of where a movie can can be contextualized. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The thing that sucks, just one last thing about mm-hmm. the Anton Yelkin thing, you see him and his presence, and it's like this in, I think, Star Trek Beyond, mm-hmm. and it's like this, is you, I, this is my, like, I like that kid. I do too! You know, like, it's like, it's like, hey, hey, he's a nice kid, like, he has a good vibe, he has a I good mean, energy, and so it, 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 it does sort of like, oh, that's... And he's like carrying this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's this quiet center of the movie. It is like a star making. Yeah. Because kind of, I had no idea who he was, no, this, really, I, before. I, no, yeah. I knew that he was Chekhov, but yeah. that's because I Star Trek nerd enough to give a damn yeah. about Well, I mean, I, I, I had Chekhov. seen him in stuff. But I just uh, never had a name to the face. Yeah, like, I, I, just, seen, I, just I think he was an alpha dog. I haven't seen that still. Oh, really? I know that was, I think, his breakout yeah, thing. Yeah, I think yeah. that's how he got Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I'm not, if I could be totally wrong. Yeah, but so, so you liked Green Room. I enjoyed it, but I was a little okay. Here's, we'll go back. Here's, to, here's yeah. the thing that the that the band had to they there was a lot of period stuff bomb. that the period bomb felt like, and I I hope I guys when if you end up listening to this, I if I misstate anything, like totally correct me. I'm just going off my memory, yeah. and we were vaping the whole time. We were yeah, oh, nice. So the by the way, that thing that you shared with <laughs> me was awesome. Thanks. It's a good time. Yeah. So the. The thing, and since we're in spoilers now, mm-hmm. I can. So at the in at the beginning of the movie, after they get back on the road, there, there's this part where they're interviewed by this guy, and it sets up how they're all like off the map, like they're that punk rock yeah. that they don't have a Facebook or internet presence, and that's how they can end up in this situation in 2015, 16, mm-hmm. where you could be like a bunch of teens in a band where people know about you, but you could disappear because you don't have any internet presence for people to track where you were last or where you were going and uh so they're asked this question this cliche question you know that people ask 
all the time and you know when interviewers are usually not that inventive they ask something like you know if you were on a desert island mm. what what and you could only have one band to listen to what would it be and it's a silly question just because and I, i'm going to digress to music nerdery but like because yeah. it becomes about who has the biggest catalog because if you can only listen to one person's catalog you're going to pick someone who has an enormous catalog so you have a ton of shit to listen to on that island yeah now but at the because you know if you have a, if your favorite band has like two records, just a question to clarify uh -huh. because I just watched it today. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, th there were a few things that were a little sh hazy to uh -huh. me. For, sure, yeah. sure. Uh, the the question was just one band. And you could listen to the whole catalog? No, no, that's the thing. The question implies that, which oh, is what okay, makes okay, it a okay, bad okay. question. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because what happens is, is that, again, if someone says you can only listen to one artist on this island, you're going to have to pick like Prince or Frank Zappa or someone with like a crazy dense catalog, like The Residents or somebody that just has so much wealth of like good stuff to listen to mm -hmm. that you could really it's the economy of the question yeah, yeah, yeah. so you're not really instead of just asking who's your favorite band of all time you make this fake phony context of an island but that changes your thought on it right and like anyway in the beginning of the movie the band says a bunch if they get asked this question and they and they all answer different punk bands like different, you know, kind of essential punk bands, mm -hmm. and uh, and then <laughs> late, like like way deep into the movie, uh, they're 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 now in this crazy, you know, they're locked in this room and they don't know if they're going to make it out, right? And like and the these these crazy skinheads are trying to come in, and someone brings up this fucking question again, and they all give their honest air quotes answers and and they all list they one of them says prince another one says simon and garfunkel yeah and like it's all like not punk bands yeah and that is fucking bullshit yeah and that it, and, and that's the thing is that this movie was so good at being feeling legit punk but that one thing really keeps me from wanting to like just fully like it right right because i enjoy it was good it was a good movie mm -hmm. and i enjoyed it but it's still calling its characters posers it's still saying that like that these kids who are doing this like don't really really like right, what right, they right. like right, right right and they're they're fronting mm -hmm. and that that pisses me off man like that's <laughs> you know it's like fun? i get they want to get i get that he needs to give them a character change and like it's a it's a and it and it again it gives you i understand in this it's lazy screenwriting right right because it lets we complimented his opening and there's a lot of stuff in there you just use to patrick stewart great stuff i loved patrick but stewart. that that one thing fucking kills it for right, me, man. Right. Because they, and it, the band too, they all, like, we all, that was the, and here's the thing punk rock, you cannot have one false note. You cannot have, like, one, you, like, you are either legitimate and completely sincere and completely yourself or you're or you're pretending to be something else there's no middle ground for right. that like and that's and punk rock is not by the way i don't mean that in the in the sex pistols mold of like you know high you know like like distorted guitars and screaming vocals and like up tempo like that's that's what punk started as but punk as an ethos is goes much beyond that and anyone who's a music nerd i'm sure everyone has their own 
kind of it's it's like religion like right. you know punk is its own christianity everyone mm-hmm. has their own interpretation of what it means mm-hmm. but for at least for me and for for the seemingly the band that i watched it with like it's about being yourself and be, and saying what you think and right. just putting it out there right and like that's that's why that's why you do that like mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter like what form it takes it's just not giving a fuck and and just putting out your 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 feelings in in a as real and visceral way that you can right 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 and uh and so that felt like it undermined all of the punk imagery all of the things that this movie was using that i was stoked to see used in a movie mm-hmm. like i mean i like you okay uh to recommend a book you sh- everyone should read our band could be your life because it like it's it covers 80s punk and at each chapter has a different band and most of them toured the country in a van in the 80s they're the first ones to do that and that's a fantastic narrative and no one has ever really tried to do anything with it right so i was just stoked to even like fine set your horror movie in this like very very rich setting of of you know bands on the road like in the middle of nowhere that's that is what punk is like black like that's in in our band could be your life black flag is is their chapter they're like fucking johnny appleseed just seeding punk rock they loved to play places where no bands had ever played tiny tiny towns where right. no one played they would go into the most random crazy places and play punk shows and then all these bands the whole second wave comes out of all these people in rural places who saw them played and went well I, I can get in a van yeah and like it it's amazing and it's an it's an important part of our our uh, music underground like the underground 80s music history yeah and so just to even see someone refer to that and and in a way that felt legitimate like it wasn't just uh co-opting it and using yeah, the yeah. image because there's lots of movies that do that that try to we're punk yeah, like, yeah. To, that tried it but they go but it's it's blink 182 and like again mall punk is its own thing and i'm not just dis, just dis, saying that that's worthless mm. but it's just it's not the same thing as the yeah, yeah, yeah. sincerity yeah. thing i was talking about like so that aspect prevented you from fully loving and yes adoring this and it film. comes at the end and it comes at the, as this way of like making the characters like seem like they're they're really like okay all all bets are off they're really it's it's like that scene in almost famous where the plane starts to shake and that's like a true story that Mm -hmm. happened to cameron Mm crowe or not happened but he heard it from other band members where uh where people started confessing crazy shit because they all thought they were about to die and then Mm -hmm. the plane writes itself and they're all fine yeah like that was what they were kind of that's (laughs) sorry my dog is yeah it's all right sasha Okay, hold on. Yeah. Maybe we should... No, she's... Oh, I guess She's so. going to want to get out. Yeah. Okay, I apologize, folks. Hold on. Let me let me just take care of this <laughs> dog, dog situation. Break. Hold on. But uh, keep talking. Okay, yeah. sure. Um, well, well, no, we have to... We don't... There'll be the sound of the dog. There he goes. Yeah. All right, the dog but, is gone. Dog gone. Anyway, I'm back. Hold on. Let me put on my headphones. It's funny. 
And I didn't anticipate, uh, I don't consider this a disagreement, but mm -hmm. I'll tell you what I thought. Uh -huh. The very same reason you hate it. Uh -huh. You like I, it. I, I like it. Uh -huh. And that's why that's why that's there. <laughs> that's yeah. why that's there. It makes you like these characters because they feel like they're they're being naked yeah, and yeah. they're dropping their, well, like in this tense situation, yeah. like you can see them truly like... Again, like in that almost yeah, yeah, yeah. The, to get back to what I was saying, right, that almost famous scene, that's that that's this movie in that that scene is that is is the almost famous scene. Right. It's everybody opening up in in the way where they truly are without having to say, I think I'm gonna I think I'm not gonna make it right now. Mm. They instead of having to say it on the nose, they start saying what they really would listen to right. because they all in the same almost famous, they all think they're about to crash. Yeah, they're all about yeah, to die. Yeah, yeah. So I get how, and that is it. It's it makes you empathize with them, and it's an effective thing. It did, it did work. Like I still, and like I said, it made like I felt for them, but it made me like their characters less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the the whole thing is that it the tragedy is if these kids is that my phone? That's your phone. Oh, yeah. Shame on you. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> That's cool. Um, you want to take it? No, you, no, uh, no. God. Right. Um, um, go ahead. Uh, do, do you want me to? No, no. Where was I? I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, the phone threw me yeah, off. Yeah, I know. And then totally my dog. Threw me off uh, too. Yeah, you I know. know. I, was, I expected her to another, behave. So. Yeah. But the thing that okay, when I watch one thing, and again, I did not watch it totally with the the lens of a horror film. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because I didn't. And that totally makes sense now, mm -hmm. knowing that. You know what I mean? Because it is a horror film with just skinheads instead that, of... The the one moment that was really fun with the... You know, again, I'm watching with the band. And when yeah. they pull into the parking lot of the white supremacist place yeah. and like... Even though, even without anything overtly scary in the frame, yeah. just the look of the people and the placement of the buildings and the walls around it and stuff yeah it just instantly was like whoa this is a bad vibe yeah yeah and yeah, yeah. like that was a really great scene for that that reason. was so well again very well executed because it felt very real yeah, yeah. it didn't feel like some contrived horror situation right. where they pull up to the, the scary house and it wasn't like, um it wasn't like uh yeah we're skinheads yeah it was no, like and that's it, the, thing, that... the whole place wasn't the other thing i thought thought was that it was going because the way i heard it was like it's a skinhead bar and it is owned by white supremacists but not every single person in the building is a, is a right. white supremacist yeah. there are people who are just there for the local show but then they all clear out and then it's just the i mean maybe they are all white supremacists maybe i missed something yeah but like the ones that are like for real violent crazy like on the inside i guess are the ones who stayed yeah, yeah, yeah. but no actually though because they start the whole movie you know, I th I thought that it was when they start playing Nazi punks fuck off. Mm. I thought that the movie was going to be about the like a bunch of Nazi punks just just attacking them because they didn't because they pissed them off. Yeah. I this whole thing about them like seeing a, a dead body and like seeing something they shouldn't have and now they can't let them leave, like that made a lot more sense and I didn't yeah. see that coming and that again it, the movie was very grounded and yeah. like and I get why. I get why he had that scene at the end with them like saying their real thoughts on it, but it just it rings false not only because it invalidates the the punk aesthetic that he's been he's been co-opting and he's he's you know been using 
but it's it's also just because like i said it made me like the characters less because yeah. you don't go out there and put yourself out there like i guess i guess though it does oh you know it's interesting i just have like an epiphany while i'm thinking about it. okay please the share. characters the characters are the the thing is i guess what i was saying before it's a tragedy if it's a real band trying to put out something of their own and just trying to reject the commercial and and you know internet stuff and just be about the music right like that has its romanticism to it mm-hmm. like that to me is tragic that they end up being killed for that yeah so that makes me go you know feel that pulls me in much deeper mm-hmm. than these posers get caught up in a bad situation yeah. well did you so right when that scene happened when that and by the way i've seen I, oh it, the epiphany i just had yeah. is the fact that because they are so anti internet presence because they're so maybe that because that is to that me, their thing in it? yes I, that's remember they tell the interviewer in the beginning like he's like why don't you have a facebook why don't you have any you know anything yeah. online that's your guys are hard to find and they're like we're just not we just don't do that and like yeah. <laughs> i get that like i get how that could seem punk rock like but to me like that that's like a 13 year old or like a kid like a real like if you're really like about the music you want to get it out there that's what they were trying to do was to get it to places where it wouldn't go normally yeah and the internet's a great tool for that so it doesn't it you know unless you're unless you're trying to just capitalize and you mm. just don't want anything online because the only way people can hear you is to buy your shit. Right. That makes sense. But that is far, you know, that contradicts the whole, you know, traditional anti-capitalist stance of most yeah, you know, yeah, punk yeah. rock aesthetics. Yeah. And well, I mean, you know, okay. See, the thing is when I watch a horror film, mm-hmm. even if I like the actors playing the, 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 the care, I want to see people get kind of punished. A little bit you know what i mean and i guess and see that you're right like and they're I, being that, punished for being posers you're right and that's the kind of the thing i was realizing right now yeah. was that it does it makes it less tragic but it's not a tragedy it yeah. is it's a horror movie yeah yeah and so you're right you are supposed to and you in a way the way that they're kind of snotty about not wanting to have anything online which puts them in this situation to begin with mm-hmm. should already kind of make you go uh you guys are kind of lame yeah yeah and like i get how yeah i i, I think because i was watching it with the with the band yeah, yeah. and we're all like empathizing very hard with like did this they voice that same opinion like oh. oh they were all at the end of the movie that was the one thing where they're like they all agreed they did not like when they all said that they liked bands that weren't punk see, all along see like, i i think the movie does kind of flirt with greatness because the opening i thought was very strong mm-hmm. and the thing that i liked about it was they are posers mm-hmm. and they are being punk and this whole thing with punk or the idea of punk no is, and that fuck you and again you that know? almost makes its own it had that not almost it has that does have its yeah. own that has logic there where you where you're right because horror yeah. is about wanting to see some people yeah. who are who who are who deserve to not deserve to but walk into right, being punished right. like the, the horror is basically we're gonna go be bad no but and then, and it has, oh, we'll show you bad well, it has you know. to it i think that's part of what makes horror work mm-hmm. is because you can't 
if you feel bad for the characters, it's just going to be torture watching yeah, them all yeah, get killed. Yeah. Well, I'm just all a twisted a li- person. Well, no, yeah. no, but that's also what makes horror appealing yeah, to yeah, people yeah, yeah. is to be a little ma- into yeah. the macabre and the dark stuff. There was like. a scene where the guy that stabs the girl in the head, and again, full spo- spoilers. Yeah. The guy that stabs the girl in the head says, oh, what was that song? And he's, I'm not saying it the way he says it, yeah. but he's just stone cold psycho. And he's like, that song that you were playing, you know, that's the song that I did or two. I thought that was interesting because, yeah, these kids are posers. Their music is... At the end of the day, if you're a musician, if you're any kind of artist, in your heart, you could be as fuck you till the cows come home. And in your heart, you want people to enjoy what you're making. Right? No, I, I don't know. No, I don't know about enjoy. I think you I, or, want. Or, or, I think you want people to experience. Exp- yes. Yes. That's that's a much better way to put it because okay. enjoyment in, implies yeah. that you're trying to be appealing, and a, whereas experience just says you're trying to just be yourself and they're experiencing that. A part of this band's key demographic, or not key demographic, might, might happen to be these skinheads that really do have this fuck you towards the world. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Well, and it's I, like, well, no, yeah. actually, I would disagree only because when they get the gig, because they, they need a gig, they have a gig flake on them, and then they need something else just to keep going. Again, it was hazy when I watched it. Okay, and uh, and so they take this other, they have their this promoter guy who's like, I have this other gig, and he the Mohawk. Take, yes, yeah. yes, and he tells them, play your early stuff. Which, right, I remember. Which that. is his way of saying. Don't play your political lefty stuff that you're playing now. Play your more like early punk rock, like drink, you know, like more neutral yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, Like, because he but, knows that their newer stuff is is more, because they show the the first, they sh- we sh- you see them playing in like a little Mexican, Mexican yeah, restaurant yeah. Uh, as a venue. Yeah. And again, that, which is another thing that is so, like, because again, punk like crazy punk bands on the road like the whole thing is playing weird random off offbeat ben- venues mm-hmm. and so they showed that and i liked that i liked that that's in a movie yeah and that's why and i understand again why like he you you need them to be posers a little bit so it doesn't break your heart to see them get chopped you know chopped into pieces one after another <laughs> yeah and so that does make its own and has its own internal logic that i didn't even really see at the time because i was just so much like empathizing with the fact that this is representing this thing that I've never really seen anyone right, put right, into a movie right. before. One thing that, I don't know, I ex- th- my expectation was something ju- that just followed the total minutia of what they were doing and their mm-hmm. survival and stuff like that. But going back to that point, but even, forget about political message. Sure. Th- their energy of their singing. That guy that stabbed that girl in the head, mm-hmm. he has that energy in him. It, and it's a real oh, thing. Do you I, get what I'm saying? Yeah, That's what I get I'm what saying. You're you saying. know the what primal, I mean? The primal aspect. Yeah, of, and it's of, like, so it's like at the end of the day, if you're a band, you anybody who doesn't want success, I don't know. I don't know if any artist doesn't want success. I think every artist wants success. And... I think, yeah, like, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you in that. I just think, yeah, I think it's cool because of the fact that they're posers and they're being confronted with something that they're clearly not, but they are, we're trying to be. Mm-hmm. Let me look at my, uh, one thing I really liked about it was when Anton Yelkin got his hand. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> shit. That's when shit really started to pop and up. And when his friend, you know, when the other guy was like, I would have let go sooner than, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. And then what's funny is now that you've said this horror movie thing, mm-hmm. the, that part where he puts his hand out yep. and then it comes out in shreds. Yeah. Uh, like a monster. Yeah, it's like a monster movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you? So you liked uh, Patrick Stewart and... Oh, I thought it was brilliant. He had him playing this understated, very, uh, 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 like, I thought, I you know, again, you hear Patrick Stewart, he's going to be playing a, a white supremacist. And so, you know, you expect him to, like, at some point put on a hood and, like, light a cross or some yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like, you're, like... It's it's sort it's funny. It kind of reminds me of Road to Perdition, right? Because Road to Perdition, I was like, they're gonna have Tom Hanks be a goddamn uh, assassin, yeah, assassin movie with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks killing people, yeah. And like, I watched that movie to see Tom Hanks kill people, yeah, Jimmy Stewart style, yeah. playing against type. <laughs> yeah, I want to yeah, see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And what do we get? We didn't get shit. Every fucking time he kills people, they cut away to his son watching him from behind some shit, yeah. and then they cut to like people falling over. Not. I don't even think once do you get to see someone you get to see Tom Hanks in an like R-rated fucking movie yeah. point a gun at someone and blow the back of their head out. Well, movie, I wanted to see that. Yeah, no, that, was, that movie was very arty, you know. Yeah, it was and it was beautifully <laughs> shot. Yeah. But like I you know, I have this tendency to make the movie in my head when I hear it. Yeah. And I get mad. Oh, you you'll, not, you'll just be disappointed, like, Jesse. You can't be like that with the movies. Like it's funny. Uh, uh, I heard. I heard this. T- this is a terrible, shitty movie. Why? I heard. Tell the, me. I heard the title, and I made up a better movie in my head. What was and it? then I read the description: "Last Days of Mars." And oh, I, I like, just made a movie in my head. I know. I was like, oh my God, that's so brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like you have a bunch of people go to Mars. It's the first outpost. It's like a reality show. Yeah, Everyone's yeah, watching yeah, their, yeah. The, the development. And then shit starts to break and it just gets fucked up. Yeah. And everyone's still watching. Yeah. Like that to me was like, holy shit, last days of yeah. Mars. It's just your standard people in a, in a, uh, it's basically alien on the surface of Mars. They're just in. in what a, year was it, man? I don't know, like two thousands. Uh-huh. It it's like a Netflix horror shitty movie. Um, Jesse, uh, you have seen Romper Stomper, and you have seen American History X. Because originally, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring you on because I, knowing that you're an opinionated <laughs> uh, pit bull. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, you can hear him, folks. He's a pit bull. He's got his opinions, <laughs> you know, and and I love it. But. Uh, uh, Knowing that you, I wanted to have you and come on and we could talk about like ho- race in Hollywood and sure, stuff. Sure, sure. And then I didn't realize, I didn't even think about it, that watching this skinhead movie sort of naturally segues Trans- into yeah, that. Yeah, because, well, because it, it does play with that a yeah. little bit. But there's no, there's no black people right, right. in the movie. Although and I guess, again, uh, Alia Shawkat, I'm a, I think is Jewish. She, I think she's Arabic. I, uh, you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. But because yeah. uh, they, because that's the thing. It's it was like, nice to see her in something. It was. She, well, yeah. no, she's been in a couple things. Like, she was on an episode of Broad City. She was in the new been... Pee Wee movie. I didn't. I, I not, saw it. I did not. I couldn't <laughs> get through that. It's just. <laughs> that's I, for another. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, for another day. Yeah. But uh, one thing I wanted to mention. So you've seen Romper Stomper, which is the Russell Crowe I, I Australian. I haven't seen it, though, since like right around. Yeah, I haven't seen it since high school. school. Yeah, I, yeah, right, right. I, I think I remember maybe like three shots. Yeah, I remember yeah, him. Yeah. Do, I remember what I remember the most from Romper Stomper was that the way that he the way that they he does he does coke. Mm-hmm. And I've never done coke. But the way that they nor have I the way that they the way that they filmed it because the way people always talk about it how they feel like they had like this sort of fast forward but not type of uh of editing to it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so where it sort of heightened everything and like 
It was a, th- that was what stuck out to me was it was a new way I I, for, I you know they show a lot of movies show people doing coke but yeah, like yeah, they don't yeah. they don't really ever try to visually try to get the effects across yeah. unless it's a psychedelic and, and so that was cool to see and of course you have seen American History X yeah that's that's yes and that's a so what movie. I wanted to that is a loaded movie and we're gonna jump right on that yeah, loaded yeah. movie and if it explodes it explodes there's nothing we can do <laughs> but I'm just going to throw this out there. Sure. Sure. Okay, because you know, I think we've we've discussed Green Room. Your your opinion uh-huh, was yeah. very interesting, oh, Jesse. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, I notice a lot of people that I would classify as racist mm-hmm. really like American History X. Well, do you? Here's an interesting question about that movie. Uh, do you know what? Because okay, first of all, you, I'm sure you know the history of the movie about how it was, I know about it was, yeah Tony. It was Kay taken away from him yeah, and Edward, Nor- Edward Norton recut it right. and like and he never got to finish it because he didn't want to finish it. Apparently, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was like 14 months he'd been cutting yeah. it. Or and some at shit. some point, he wanted to change his name to Humpty Dumpty because well, the after they yeah. took it away from him, right, right, but, right, right. but uh. But the thing is, is that supposedly, I think he said this in interviews, that the ending, they cut, the ending shows, the ending in the, in the actual film is that uh, the uh, Edward Furlong character... Uh, gets cap, gets shot. No, but then, like, oh, and then, uh, and, and Edward Norton, you know, he comes out of jail, right. and he's no longer racist. Mm-hmm. Well, the original ending of the movie was him shaving his head again. Because he was he he was going to he was going back to hate. <laughs> wow! So really, yes. Now doesn't that that it, that changes the movie so dramatically in its message that it's 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 shattering. I mean, it completely is a whole different way of like. I mean, it's I it's. I have a, an opinion on that. What is it? Um, one thing that's incredibly loaded. Uh. My opinion is this. An ending like that would be kind of maybe true to life. But I don't think so in the sense that the character that Edward Norton plays is somebody that has evolved and enlightened. But we're, we're, I almost think the comment in that ending, it's not so much about the character as it is about America. Because what it's saying at least the way that i sort of read it is that america and we that the the a lot of white culture in america is grounded in racism and and that it's it's just it's not gonna go away you know what's funny i happen to agree with that i don't think it's ever gonna go away when i was a kid and you know we're roughly the same age give or take a year um, I'm 34, you're 34. 34, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, growing up, and I am, I grew up Persian here, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up Mexican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I passed for white, right, so that's a whole yeah. other thing. Well, lucky you. <laughs> uh, it, it's weird. It's <laughs> no. weird. It, um, it has its benefits, but it also, it has its, it has its own drawbacks. I too. experienced my own fair share of racism but nothing that i think would make me a permanently bitter person but but that's about outlook like that's that's how yeah. you interpret you know like because because hey it's, man i gotta survive no like, I, I agree <laughs> i agree and you know as minorities like you have to have a thicker skin for stuff like well, you have yeah to, you you know you have to you just have to to you know 
not blink as quick because yeah. it, you know it, it just can't look weak but see it's just i've uh my opinion on racism when it gets to become violent that's when it's ugly but i do think it's it's rooted in complete ignorance and stupidity and just 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 i i think it goes past that yeah. i don't even think it's uh, you're right that it is it is ignorance and stupidity but that's so no i know that's an oversimplification the, well, well, here, and ahead. that here's the thing though is that it's <laughs> it's about identity and and uh the, let me just interject. Sure. We, we kind of have to keep this tethered to movies. So, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. But, but go ahead. Go sure, ahead. Sure. Go and ahead. I will tie this back to, to American history. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I knew you. I, I have faith in you. I have complete <laughs> faith in you, Jesse. But uh, um, the thing with, with, uh, <laughs> with race in America is that we, we have this, this history of exploiting ourselves and exploiting people who come here and you know we're it's it's hard because we have all these these systems that have been built up and maintained by by who the powers that be right which are white Mm. and you know uh (laughs) no one no one is asking anyone to apologize for their ancestors we just want everyone to dismantle these systems that have put them in in favor over everyone else but that's that's the problem is that the and that's the that's the complexity that american history x was trying for mm-hmm. was that and that's i get why tony k was going nuts cutting that thing mm-hmm. because that is like that's like trying to juggle on a tightrope trying to cut trying to really really dig deep into race in america like that that is a it's a it's a subject that is easy to simplify and it is easy to to uh make broad generalizations right but the the, and the the problem is is that it is it is a terribly intertextualized issue Mm -hmm. and and it crosses like the, the the it crosses over into into gender and class and our history and 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 the whole american experiment as as a whole like right, we right. are this immigrant nation and no no country has really figured out how to how to do uh immigration right where where you where you because it's either you let nobody in or or you you know or you let you let some in like it's it's very like it's a tough thing to to try to figure out like who can be allowed to become a citizen of your country mm-hmm. and and uh, and we have this this new thing where we're open like that's supposed to be what this country is right that we will we are a composite nation and and the thing is with that is that there's a lot of friction that comes with that my my significant other is European, and so a lot of race stuff is is different there than it is here. Mm-hmm. So we, I often have to try to give her context for for what what things mean here because it's very different. Right, and it really helps me to kind of reflect how how our history, it's it's very complicated, and we're trying to sort of come to terms with it. Right, but we're trying to do it in these simplistic 
very uh token ways mm-hmm. and and in, instead of it's sort of like instead of making these changes and and making things more equal it's sort of like well we're just now talking like these things are things we're not really doing anything to changing change anything but you know we'll, but we'll but we're you know we we can we're now sort of like corruption and, and government right, right. and and involve money and politics and things like that where people are very aware of how practically transparent the whole thing is, mm-hmm. but there's not, and and but it's sort of like the conversation itself is supposedly enough, like nothing gets changed, right? Right. And though we just get catharsis by talking about it, right? I've met plenty of racist people in my life. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, and well, the um, country, well, and you know, first of all. Uh, everyone has bias. I have prejudice. Yeah. I have to deal with my own prejudice. The difference is that when I sense myself be prejudging someone mm-hmm. and doing something like, and I I have to check myself and 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 say, and it, if this was a different context, would I be acting differently? Yeah. Am I being a certain way based on on prejudice? Because there's some, you know, we live in L.A. and like there's a lot of different crazy people around and you have to be it's a jungle it's a concrete jungle and you have to be on guard to some degree you can't just wander around like a babe in the woods you have to be careful and so on some level that involves some amount of prejudice right like you have to protect yourself and i'm and that but i at the same time have to have to work with that where that line is yeah because it's not and when I say prejudice, like I don't mean racial prejudice, but like just prejudice itself that I realize when I'm making decisions based off of my own anecdotal experience instead of maybe thinking in a more objective and broad way. Right, right. And, you know, sometimes that makes sense. Like if, you know, like there's a sketchy looking like homeless guy and he looks like he's drunk and or on or, you know, out of his mind, then that probably is someone I shouldn't approach. Like it's there's some that's maybe he's a nice guy, but I'm prejudiced because I see how he's moving and that makes me think he's not safe to be near. So there's some prejudice that I feel is I let myself have because it makes sense for my own survival. But there's other stuff that I know that is just learned from seeing racist shit all over our culture and just internalizing it and thinking that that's normal and acceptable. And everybody has to actively fight that. Right. And you and the first step is to is to know that it's in you. Yeah. Because like people don't race uh, you know I use the word prejudice more than I use racism because racism is such a button. It makes people go, "No, I am not that." You cannot tell someone they're a racist. They will they think that you again like what I thought to bring back to green room yeah, it yeah. makes you think that like you're burning crosses like like I thought Patrick Stewart would do in the movie. Yeah. And like put a like you wear a white hood and that you you know you can't you say racial epithets all the time in mixed com- you know when there's not mixed company around. And you know no one wants to be characterized as that it's as bad as being seen as creepy or slutty yeah. like those are things that nobody wants to be seen as mm. in our society it's a terror like it's a it has a huge stigma well it's like you some certain people will say the most racist shit but they'll say it in a way that's kind of acceptable and oh you know that person is, but, and you know, that's the, that's the thing is that so when i see someone doing that if you say you're being racist. They'll be like, no. But if you say, you know, that's kind of prejudice. Like that's a, yeah. pre- you know, that joke had some ugly, 
uh, was kind of ugly. And they're like, why? And I'm like, well, it has this prejudiced sense. And then, because if you if you approach it about someone making a prejudge prejudgment of someone, where they they're just assuming based on on something probably based on their appearance, mm-hmm. and so. You know, that's the kind of thing that if you challenge that with the R word, people shut down and don't want to hear you. Right. But if you talk about the nature of prejudice and why someone is prejudging something, then you can kind of get into a little, hopefully sometimes, you can get people to be less defensive mm-hmm. right off the bat and hope and maybe get them to examine how they are reading situations. Right. Because that that's the thing is that it's... And that's that's what like again American History X was trying to provoke this conversation. Mm. You know, it was tr- like it's in this visceral, you know, way, but at the same time like and it didn't really work. Like I could see what this guy was I could see what Tony K was going for. Like you can see that it's so weird when mo- like it's funny to relate this to recent movies like Suicide Squad and Batman. Like I know it's weird to bring those in. Yeah, no. But when you see a movie that's been recut and you can kind of see the ghost of the movie it would have been because you can see the footage and how it could have like what and you can kind of imagine what else might have been there. And like you just see what the director shot and it's 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 tragic for as a filmmaker as a fan to see a movie that's like this this Frankenstein version where it's got like all these parts that were something great and then all this other bullshit sewn onto it and it's yeah. just barely half yeah. alive and it's this like deformed non thing like American History X could have been this like groundbreaking movie and instead it's just this this uh sort of uh ex- exploitation style like cautionary tale well see this is the thing with american history x and i never knew about that alternate ending that mm-hmm. you that you told me about but i always felt that the ending felt a little especially with the the voiceover at mm-hmm. the end tacked uh, on tacked on uh-huh. exactly yeah. and with him shaving his head again it comes full circle it in a way. comes full circle mm-hmm. and yeah you could say that's kind of socially irresponsible or whatever which i don't think you know a, a movie has that responsibility well it makes it's making a different statement but it 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 but i think it feels artistically right yes it does but i can understand a studio not wanting yeah. to put that out there because then anybody who reads that movie literally yeah. which you know any idiot is that's that's how they're going to read it right right that they're going to feel responsible for that yeah and that that, that is a whole other question with art is is you know with responsibility and and uh especially with movies because movies this is some i i really think we're in this like rare bubble at some point we are going to find the research to really prove how much influence imagery has on the mind it is it i that's why I love movies. Right. I love movies because this is this powerful form and move feature films in particular. If you can get someone to sit for an hour continuously and take in you and they're and they're entertained and they're in it, that last 30 minutes you have them. You yeah. can put ideas in there. Right. Like that the there's just so many stories about like different people seeing movies over the years and getting ideas from them and those ideas affecting culture yeah and so i that's to me that's what drew me to becoming to becoming a filmmaker i saw 
2001 and I just saw the breadth of what the medium could get across and I just wanted to weld that to try to to try to better society by by getting these these ideas that I know are valid and important and that should be in the popular culture and and in and I imagery like at some point they're going to they're going to realize how strong it is and they're going to make they're going to make laws that make you culpable for what happens for what you put out yeah. cuz right now we live in this first amendment craziness i could make fucking anything and put it on youtube anything i want i can go and animate it shoot it and i can put it out and i can say whatever the hell i want and whatever people do with it is not my problem and yeah. that's amazing and yeah. that's not that is for a limited time only folks humanity is going to catch on to to how deep this shit cuts and they're going to start making people have to fess up for what happens sometimes and right now we are in this golden age where there is no limits there are there's no there's no roof you can you if you can put it together you can put it out and no, as an american as an american yeah. no one can t can can tell you what that you can't do that and that's that's amazing like that's what makes movies exciting for me and right now we're in this weird like corporate culture but movies yeah. are still they they don't go away the medium is is power and, and there and, yeah. and there you have it folks this is the opinionated jesse sanchez <laughs> I, i i counted 58 billion opinions within <laughs> within this time so uh you know uh wrapping it up mm -hmm. green room Okay. Yeah. I, if, if we were to use some sort of arbitrary rating system, uh, I give it. I give it three green rooms. Three green rooms. Huh? <laughs> out of okay. Well, I give it four out of five. I uh, really don't know. I don't five, like no. ratings. I, I enjoyed either, it. No, you I know, I, speaking for me, I mean, really, folks, this was Jesse Sanchez. I really <laughs> wanted him to just just come in like a wrecking ball of opinions, and he did, and he delivered. My opinion on Green Room, I really liked it. I do think it was a movie that kind of flirted with greatness. The opening 20 minutes were really great. Really and strong. there were there were certain parts in it that kind of I was a little lost as to why what was happening and this and that. Let me ask you. So th this band that you watched uh -huh. it with? Period Bomb. Yeah, period Bomb. Were they hooting and hollering or what what, what Oh, what? they were on the edge of their seats. Like we had I had a phone call at one point, we had to pause the movie and they're like on pause. I got it. Like, oh my god. No, they were they were really into it because it was cuz it was yeah, very it was their they, life. Yeah, it was, it was something they yeah. could empathize with did in it, a, yeah, in did a heightened it, movie world, but still the, with the opening which mm -hmm. by the way that cornfield thing yeah it's such a great scene setter. yeah like um, i, I want to see this guy do more stuff did it feel like the details of the band did it feel like to them it was registering as authentic yeah no again they the only real false note was that was that scene i mean they're you know yeah like that was really the only But part see, where speaking of that scene uh -huh. i can see why you would totally fall in, out of love apart from the punk it didn't, idealism it, I and didn't stuff. fall out of love it just took it down a notch yeah. or two and it was riding high and i was yeah. stoked on it and then it took it back a little bit and it still kept it going but yeah. it, it just it just took a little bit off the top for me and i was there's, like man you there's guys are a going. type of filmmaking 
that some people don't like this language, but I think mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about, where the style is very crisp. Yeah. It's not very showy. Mm-hmm. We're just observing these characters sort of doing their well, thing. And this movie wasn't like crazy plot. They get stuck in a room. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, it made, uh, the title made perfect sense. Once I finished the movie, I went, holy shit, a shit ton of that movie, they were just stuck in the green room. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, okay, now I get how they made this all work. Um, like, uh, One thing... What was the thing that the thought just slipped out of my oh, head? Sorry. Uh, no, no, go ahead. Uh, um, what, what were you gonna say? Uh, it's just that. <laughs> oh, this oh. is what I was gonna say. Mm-hmm. That scene. Okay, before I watch a movie, especially when I hear it getting like a lot of buzz, mm-hmm. it, just like you said, like you create this kind of movie in your head, yeah. and it's gonna be, and especially the more great buzz it gets the more flawless the movie in your head is going to be you know what i mean like you you man this is i i made the same problem with uh with dude where's my car i went to go oh well that's I, easy to no, make but that see, mistake. i went to i thought that sounded like such a perfect <laughs> like simple american pie knockoff yeah. ref like pre- preface right a premise i still have like, to see that movie by the way well I'm not going to, like, go into the whole thing, no, no, but you, you know that the, the, like, I, okay, the movie in my head was like, oh, this is so simple. It's a stoner comedy. These two guys have a crazy bender. They lose, they wake up the next morning, they can't find their car, they spend the whole day retracing their steps, and everywhere they go, they hear about crazy shit they right. did last night, yeah. and then they deal with the consequences of it. And that seemed like a pretty stolid, funny, you know... Com- comedy yeah I was, yeah and i i went in there with like low expectations not expecting yeah. anything like i wasn't expecting animal house i was expecting a knockoff that just might have a few good jokes mm. and this and this i wanted to see how they played out this this pretty simple but pretty open comedic premise right and uh there's all this fucking aliens and science fiction <laughs> shit in there. Hey, I'm down with that. Like, I just, I just wanted to see these like, like couple of pothead guys yeah. just like get get their comeuppance for being for being wasted. Wait, the night but before. did the aliens and science fiction stuff work on a pothead level? Mm, it just felt thrown no. in there. Okay, well, uh, what I wanted to say was that scene. I didn't think of that particular scene that you're talk that you were mm-hmm. talking about before about them confessing about the music and stuff mm-hmm. but there were scenes that kind of reminded you you were watching a movie and they were and what i mean is they were scenes where they were giving this sort of like character exposition dialogue like yeah you know like, i forgot what it was but it was a scene where anton yelchin was talking to that w- hot girl mm-hmm. that wasn't part of their group yeah yeah the one that and it, with it felt written and up until that point oh it had felt natural you know it had, yeah it mm-hmm. really felt like i was observing this punk band yeah when they when they uh, went into the skinhead club, it did. It wasn't like they were playing ominous music and letting me know. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. saying be scared. Yeah, I was just generally scared for them, but and just the because same, of the vibe. The same, you know? exact, and that's what this the director really did effectively he yeah. built this vibe this building tension the band i watched it with could feel it too like yeah. and it was subtle yeah. from the moment they pull in the parking lot it's rising and it's not doing anything where there's like fucking anything right in your face where you go there like there's no like Chekhov's gun where you're like oh this is gonna come back later yeah, and be yeah, fucked yeah, up yeah, yeah. like there's nothing in there like there's no guy chopping right. wood there's no one like you know like with a chainsaw like doing something with it where you're like oh well they're gonna use that later yeah. like there's no nothing like that and i will say and this may seem bold but i will say it and i 
I'm looking at your vaporizer, by the way, because I can't wait to finish this so we can <laughs> smoke more. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sorry, folks. But, right. <laughs> yeah, but um, I will say, this was what, 2015 this movie was made? Yeah. I will say, with what I've seen in the current climate, I do think this is going to go down as a semi-classic. I, I, I really think enough... From this year. And enough, from this year, From yeah. this... But I'm talking about like 50 years. No, no, oh. no, 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 not 50 years. Forget that. That was such a stupid thing that I just said. <laughs> don't, don't scratch that. I'm not going to edit it out because I believe yeah, in honesty on this okay. podcast. But I will say, yeah, from, from 2015 or just mm-hmm. from this time... If sure, you were to look sure. back five years from now, late, late I think teens. it gets enough right. I mean, dude, this premise could have been so stupid if it was made completely studio. So, do you know how uh-huh. it could have been completely obnoxious if it was made with this quote punk style? Well, you know, I I read it. Was, I it was read an interview up, yeah. with the dude, and he he spoke to how he went to shows and he knew the scene and he right. wanted to put the scene in a movie, right. and that made me again trust that and i get like you know what and i kind of withdraw the criticism now that i kind of see this in the in the genre sense it makes sense they need to be fakers a little bit so that seeing them get cut down Mm -hmm. is not so so fucked yeah and like i get that and i i think it was because i watched it with the band and they were just like you know like oh those guys you know they're not yeah. as they're not as cool as they should be and yeah. up to that point we'd been really rooting for them yeah, you know? yeah i mean the other thing is with that scene and again i really did like the movie mm-hmm. uh with that scene it is very plot devicey or and you, like you know. i said it's lazy writing yeah. but it it's effective and i understand like again it's a way to get them to say i don't think we're going to make it without having to have that on the nose lines yeah and and you know that is tough like you you know right fucking movies is hard man it's a visual medium but you have you know you got you got dialogue you don't want to get too theatrical like it's a tough nut to crack and i understand like you sometimes you want to you know shortcut like that makes sense and it doesn't now that i now that i've kind of ruminated over it with you i see how it doesn't really hurt the film the way it felt like it did Mm -hmm. but it still is a little lazy, yeah. But it takes it down like a notch instead of like the two that you know. Like yeah, it, it's yeah. still it's still a little like you know, it's still a little simple, you know, little problem solving. But right. again, like we we live in the most story literate culture in the history of the world. Like find like the the challenge to me as a storyteller today is to try to find a way to 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 create a narrative that is not predictable because everyone can like guess the ending you know mm-hmm. but at the same time if you have some fucked out of nowhere ending then it's not satisfying yeah so trying to find a way to make a satisfying narrative that is not like that just doesn't follow the cliches and it's really tough yeah like uh, you know we we so we've seen all the different ways you can go with something so it's yeah i'm going to this this one question okay jesse mm-hmm. and you give the full opinion sure the full five and folks <laughs> did you feel the fumes of the fireball <laughs> opinions here okay I, did you notice I just stand back, let the man give these opinions? This is how it's going to be, folks. I'm sorry I talked no, to you. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. No, no, no. I, okay. I, I wanted to introduce people to you, basically. Oh. Introduce you to the people. Well, thank you. Know, you. Thank the, you, Nas. To I, my little tiny morsel of an audience. Well, I you know. appreciate you wanting to want yeah. help um, me out there. Do you think Patrick Stewart, do you think it would be justified if he was nominated for some sort of uh, Oscar kind of deal? 
Well, the thing is, is that I could I have such a loaded opinion of the Oscars because the the I hate them and I think they're well, bullshit. No, okay, but go ahead. here's here's something, and I've been meaning to like I have a couple of different like critic videos I've been meaning to put, right. like I've been working on, but I and I want to put a bunch out at once. Right. One of them is on the Oscars because what people you gotta know your history, and I'm a I'm a big film history nut. I love living in L.A. I always get to see actual like it's little trippy, locations yeah. from from early film history and uh metro golden mayor was run by louis b mayor and they you know in the in the classical era every studio had a style and if you went to go and if you went into a movie and you looked up at the screen you didn't even have to know what the movie was playing you could tell by how it looked what studio made it if it was lavish and and uh, super expensive and glossy. It's mm-hmm. MGM. If it's kind of rough and like with a but like true to life and like gritty, that's Fox. If it's kind of cheap but like trying to be like you know MGM like you know but like with less money, that's RKO. Yeah. Like you could tell who did what. And so it, it, what it was called was a house style. Every studio had essentially a house style, mm-hmm. and uh, and so. MGM, Louis B. Mayer was always struggling to get directors to conform to the house style. Um, he just they he just they always wanted to go do their own thing. So then he realized, and he said at some point, and that's where I want to dig up this quote for the video, is he said, uh, I always struggle, you know, I'm paraphrasing, he's like, I always struggle to get the you know directors to make the movies the way I want. Then I realized you just give them a little token statue and then they all fight each other to make the movies exactly because the thing is is that the oscars are not about celebrating the best films they are about celebrating the films that are the most like the classic mgm style it's changed a little bit because the mgm was about trying to do something semi-timely but but with real class and top-notch production value and you know stuff that's that's it's heady but it's still entertaining like it's not it, it that's you can watch it and feel like you you got a little smarter even though you right. even though it was still entertaining you the yeah, whole time yeah. and like that's that's what the oscars are about that's what they reward right and so to get to your question uh patrick stewart wouldn't get nominated because this part he's too understated the thing that was cool about this character and i'm actually glad we got to get back to this because i was thinking about this earlier and i was like oh this is something i didn't get to mention if we're wrapping up yeah was that uh Patrick Stewart, like I mentioned how he didn't go big, but what was cool was how small he went. Right. How it, it was such, he's playing this, like he's playing this guy who's like this like vicious guy, but he's so pragmatic and he's so just dealing with the problem and like not really getting emotional or upset. He never really raises his voice or does anything. Right, he's always like, oh, young yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, he keeps it small. Yeah. At no point does he even, like, because usually like, you know, Pacino style, he'll go super small and then he, tips, he yeah. kicks it to 11. You know, and not everyone does that, but you would expect, you got Patrick fucking Stewart yeah. playing a fucking racist right like in the same way that like you, you know i kind of expected to see tom hanks mowing down motherfuckers with a with a fucking tommy gun yeah i was expecting you know like the the way it sounded i'm like oh shit i'm gonna see patrick stewart say a bunch of crazy racist shit and it's gonna yeah, be yeah. fucking weird yeah. watching fucking jean-luc picard fucking <laughs> like like talk like a fucking 
you know, racist hillbilly. Yeah. And, yeah. like, I was kind of interested to see that, but I was, what was surprising was how they had him play it instead, yeah. where he's super quiet and he's just dealing with this shit. Yeah. What's funny is, because I kind of knew the premise, I was kind of expecting like uh that pragmatic mm. thing that we got i thought his performance was great mm -hmm. i do not believe in award it's absurd to just award a work of art over other works of oh, art well, i think it's strange yeah uh but uh jesse one thing that i briefly wanted to go into uh before we go uh you're you're, you're doing uh, your own stuff uh, yeah i do have a i'm slowly putting together my own feature film uh it's called koreatown it's uh it's set in koreatown where i live in los angeles and uh well it's this the the premise of the movie it's a comedy it's about these two druggy guys who have a uh like a bunch of acid in a visine bottle and mm. and acid for those who don't know is clear so it would look just like visine right and they're about to get home with it and they get searched by a cop and then the cop uses the bottle on himself and gets really 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 fucked up and so then the rest of the night these druggy guys are like trying to get their stash back from him and like trying to deal with his like totally fried out cop mm -hmm. and uh you know they just kind of end up going all around different parts of koreatown and the thing that i want i really wanted to do with this movie i've lived in the neighborhood for for you know five years now and uh, it's it's kind of cool if you check out the wikipedia page it has all these cool stats because it is like one of the most diverse neighborhoods not only in la but in the whole country and uh you know we're like i said we're a nation of immigrants so it's it's really cool to live in this neighborhood where there's all these different races and i feel like you know i i made a lot of different stuff and yeah. i've learned over the years that when people watch stuff they look for themselves and if they can't find someone that looks like them, they try to find someone that acts like them. That's very interesting. But they always, but they they definitely look for something that that makes them they can identify with. Mm -hmm. And this move, this setting, gives me the potential to be inclusive in a way that I wish movies that I want movies to be. I want movies to have to not to be diverse without feeling tokenized and and this this neighborhood is that diverse it doesn't it's not it doesn't seem like like forced like a college brochure diversity type thing mm -hmm. like there really are like a bunch of people walking around different types of people different languages you hear all these different cultures going around yeah, each yeah, other yeah. and you know it's not by the way it's not like some like paradise like there is still a lot of tension but the thing is is it to me it almost is like a microcosm of the world because it is all these cultures having to coexist in this space yeah. and it's very popular it's very densely populated so everyone's right up against each other so anyway that's I, I'm 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 shooting a Kickstarter trailer. I'm planning to launch the Kickstarter pretty soon to uh, to fundraise for the for to so I can shoot this thing because you know I because the premise has a cop a police officer in it. You know he has a gun and I I just 
you know, I, I have to have permits for that right, shit. Right, right, right. Like, there's safety first. Like, there's no way that I'm going to risk anyone's ass for my crazy movie. Yeah. So, and that that just costs money. Like, a lot of scenes are, are kind of written to gorilla, but there's just a few that pff, I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. fudge. It's and, better safe than so. Well, no, it definitely, no question. No yeah. question. Like, that's, you got to protect your people more than, you know, that's a, than your silly movie. Like, that's, that's people, people's lives are come first. But that's why I, you know, I, I would just go shoot the thing, you know, on my own, yeah, just yeah. on nothing. But I need to raise some money because I need to get, I need to do some stuff, yeah. you know, the, pro- the yeah, right yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesse Sanchez, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for doing this, Jesse. Thank you, Nas. This was great. It was man. a lot of fun. I had a great and time. If let's say, because a lot of opinions were set. Yes. If yes. if you at home listening, whoever the listener friend, as I call them, uh, 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 disagreed with any of Jesse's opinions, ask yourself, did you know about that Oscar thing that he told you about the MGM thing? I didn't. So I'm a little more enlightened today. So thank you, Jesse. No, thank you. So anywho, follow me on Twitter at Mr. Nasred. Follow me on Instagram at Mr. Nasred. Email me at nasredpodcast at gmail.com and visit me at nasred.com for all of your Nasred needs. And please do like, share, subscribe on iTunes and leave me a beautiful beautiful review jesse is there anything you'd like to say uh parting thank you for listening everybody um i i actually think i'm gonna i'm not gonna come and come at you and make a podcast but i th- i'm planning to also uh make like a youtube video blog review thing that uh that i'll i'll start putting out because this was fun actually the, yeah i don't think i've ever really sat and just talked about movies yeah, hey, you know into, yeah. into a record you know recording it that's and, so. that's what this thing is yeah uh and uh you know and that's 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 what we're here for we're here just to have spirited conversations about cinema viva la cinema viva la cinema viva la cinema goodbye friends